Okay, so jumping right back in. Um, and welcome back to Talk Soup's Motivational Mental Health Monday show. When it comes to depression, there are several treatments that have been shown through research that can help you identify areas where you um, can uh, work on physically and mentally in order to help you promote better mental health. If you feel the loss or interest in activities, don't want to be social anymore, um, just sad for prolonged periods of time, two weeks or more, that is the time to reach out to a qualified health care practitioner and get some advice. Treatments for depression can include therapy, medication, and lifestyle changes such as exercise and a healthy diet. The second mental illness we'll be discussing is anxiety, which is characterized by excessive worry. And oftentimes, anxiety and depression usually goes hand in hand. It's called comorbidity, where you have um, two or more illnesses that you are um, struggling with or have been diagnosed with. And so anxiety is characterized by excessive worry and fear. Symptoms can include racing thoughts, physical symptoms such as sweating or trembling, and difficulty sleeping. Treatment for anxiety can include therapy, medication, and lifestyle changes such as exercise and a healthy diet lifestyle changing such as exercise and a healthy diet you guys it is so important to our mental health as well as our physical health and the research is out there you guys i mean if you go to certain uh websites such as healthline healthline is one of my favorite that's why i love to get a lot of my information about mental health behavioral health herbs and healthy lifestyle, uh, lifestyle um, ideas and recipes. So healthline.com is excellent. But a lot of people don't realize the benefit that exercise and eating certain foods have on their mental and behavioral health. So there you have it. A healthy diet and exercise helps decrease anxiety and depression powerful and so speaking of lifestyle changes did you know that certain foods can actually help strengthen your mental health foods like dark leafy greens fatty fish and nuts and seeds are all rich in nutrients that can help improve brain function and reduce inflammation Hey, you guys, can you hear me? Another uh, group popped on my screen. So give me a minute. I don't know what's up. And they're full-fledged in. They jumped right into... Uh, well, the group didn't jump in. Somehow I ended up in another group, a metaphysics group. Um, my apologies. Shout out there to you guys because um, 
I think I checked them out earlier, but I had to leave them to start Talk Soup. So um, any rate, I hope I'm not intertwining um, our shows while I'm talking. Um, but anyway, the um, fact that different techniques such as um, exercising and a healthy diet also helps with anxiety and depression. You know, and all the great things that we do when it comes to meditation. Meditation is so powerful and within itself, you know, you learn relaxation techniques, you learn calming techniques, you learn certain ways to um, access certain energy points in your body. And so those are the things that can help with the treatment of depression and anxiety. And as anything else new that you're trying in your life, if you think that you may have anxiety or any mental illness, reach out to a qualified health care practitioner and let them know what you're thinking. And then maybe you guys can come up with some goals for you to get the proper types of um, treatments and help that you need to decrease and eliminate those mental illnesses. And speaking of lifestyle changes, the foods, again, that help us strengthen mental health are the leafy greens. That's the collard greens, man. Uh, the romaine lettuces, you know, the mustard greens, the kale, you know, those, you know, and any greens are stronger but those leafy greens, those dark leafy greens, I said it, they're so powerful because Mother Goddess has given us, Mother Earth has given us some of her fruit, the fruit of Mother Earth's womb, those dark leafy greens, man, they are so good. But they help with um, mental illnesses, you know, that fatty fish and nuts and seeds, they're all rich in nutrients that can help improve brain function and as we age even when we're younger we should be aware of the fact that we should be strengthening our brain doing certain activities like puzzles and you know there are a plethora of apps out there now that you can do to help with your brain function you know working out a certain um logistical type of questions and and, and um examples giving examples of certain things can help work both sides of your brain so it's many things out there that we can do little simple things that normally we'd be like huh but research shows that these things help and so brain function is very important because it also helps us to reduce inflammation and inflammation is linked to depression and other mental health conditions. Now let's move on to a moral story. Moral stories are always good, right? You guys, they help give us examples of certain things that may be similar to some things that we're going through or things that we thought about, especially when we're talking about our mental health and our spiritual growth and awareness. And this is April. April is a big, big month. It's the month of spiritual activities, right? 
Um, and so the moral story, I'll read it and you critique it. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a farmer who had a beautiful horse. One day the horse ran away and the former's neighbors came to offer their condolences. What a terrible thing to happen, they said. But the former simply replied, we'll see. The next day, the horse returned and brought with it three other wild horses. The neighbors returned to congratulate the former on his good fortune. But again, he simply replied, we'll see. A few days later, the former son tried to ride one of the wild horses, but was thrown off and broke his leg. Once again, the neighbors came to offer their condolences. And once again, the former simply replied, we'll see. A few weeks later, the army came to the village to recruit all able-bodied men for war. But the former son was exempt because of his broken leg. The neighbors came to congratulate the former on his good fortune. And this time he simply replied, we'll see. You may be wondering what is going on in this story, right? But the moral of the story is that sometimes things happen in life that we perceive as negative or positive, but it's often impossible to know the true outcome until much later. It's important to maintain a sense of equanimity and trust in the natural flow of life. See, that's the kicker right there. Oftentimes when we're struggling with mental health issues, um, it could be something as simple as what we talked about earlier, sadness or depression or anxiety. We want to jump the gun. You know, we want to be the flows, the most highs, little helper, God's little helper, instead of maintaining that balance and that equanimity and just going with the flow. I like the former statement. We'll see that balance and that equanimity. And that's something that I am working on um, as a part of my way of connecting with God, connecting with the most high, this wonderful, enigmatic consciousness that has created everything and that everything is living and moving and breathing and having its being through it's a it amazes me i love spirituality i love divinity and i love religion too because religion has these wonderful tools and techniques to help us even with mental illness but we have to learn to take a back seat on the ego we have to learn to take a backseat on our physical selves and not be so hard on ourselves. Oftentimes those thoughts that come into our minds aren't even real. And when we learn to unconditionally love ourselves, love ourselves for the flaws, love ourselves for the things that people think are flaws, because to say we're perfect, which nobody is perfect, <laughs> to me, it's like, you know, what's going on? Because no one is the creator creatus. 
No one is the most high. No one is the most high God. Or the consciousness, the, ent the intelligent entity that created everything that we have been gifted with. It's undeniable now. Um, which I have never... Science and religion or science and spirituality is undeniable that they're separate. And my way of having the connection with the Most High is knowing that everything is of, in and of God, in and of, which has no name. <laughs> People say Allah, Brahma, Jesus. No, this Oh, and I just love the Most High so much. I know, look at me, you know, getting emotional, but not emotional in a negative manner. I feel so much love when I talk about what we've been gifted with this wonderful life. And to know that some people are struggling and having challenges and mental illness is very complex, very complex. But once we learn to settle in to who we are, once we find out who we are, certain things that we worry about, the certain things that keep us depressed and sat and down begin to drift away. And it could be an arduous task for people. It could, you know, I'm not saying that someone who is struggling with mental illness get in church and or get into their way of worshiping um, God and and bam, you're healed and you don't know. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that when we learn to let go and go with the flow, like in the moral, the, the moral of the story was about having an equanimity, finding that balance. And when we learn to do that, things begin to decrease. And there are many people with mental illnesses who will attest to the fact. I mean, I'm a licensed professional counselor, a mental health coach. I, and I'm learning so much more about coaching now with health and wellness coaching, how to help strengthen people in a positive way and not to focus so much on the negative, but to focus on who they are, their strengths, their positives and 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 painting that picture that future picture of good health and good wellness it may not be perfect but you'll have a good health and, and and you'll be well and you'll be positive which is grounded in a lot of things you know gratitude and the willingness to let go with the flow of things and say yeah okay we'll see you know, so that was really powerful to me. That's why I chose this story. I think it's really beautiful. And I hope that you can see the benefit and letting things go. And in utilizing some of these tools that I discuss here on Talk Soup's Mental Health Monday, because it's Motivational Mental Health Monday, everything that I bring you and I share with you is to help motivate you to decrease and eliminate. And with that said, I'd like to share a Native American prayer. And its title is, I give you this one thought. Working with the mind. I give you this one thought to keep. I am with you still. I do not sleep. 
I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds in circle flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not think of me as gone. I am with you still in each new dawn. All praises to the Most High. Now, isn't that powerful? Thinking about, you know, thoughts. Turning them over to the Most High. Turning them over to God. However you connect. However you have a relationship with this wonderful, powerful consciousness that has created all. We have been given this one thought to keep with you. The Most High doesn't sleep. And the Most High is always with us. And so when we can learn um, certain things like mantras, affirmations, scriptures, and keep giving it back to God, keep giving it back to the Most High and see. See, you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, a man or a woman <laughs> thinketh in their heart, so we become. So when we give our thoughts, when we think about God, we become God. You know, and I, I just want to give a shout out to our Native American brothers and sisters, another group of individuals that have for centuries shared beautiful practices and tools and techniques for us to bring ourselves closer to the most high. And so maintain that sense of equanimity and trust in the natural flow of your life. And now moving right along, I am going to share a poem with you. You guys know how I am about literature, right? In the midst of darkness, there is always a light. It may be dim and distant, but it's always within sight. It's easy to get lost in the shadows of our mind, but if we look closely, a glimmer we will find. And finally, <laughs> a positive quote to carry with you throughout the day. The only way to do great work is to love what you do. And that is a shout out to the great Steve Jobs. Remember to focus on the things you love and find joy in and your mental health will. Thank you for it. Yes. And so, you know, coming up, you guys, I am going to share a recipe 
for mental health. I love this new field that I'm in, you guys. I know you guys are like, oh, she's always talking about health and wellness, but I'm definitely going to share some information with you in regards to health and wellness. I have a, a, a article that I got off of I'm sharing with you guys from Healthline, and it's about trauma um, within the African-American community. And so I want to give a shout out to my peeps, African-Americans. This is something that I have been thinking for years, and especially after um, going to some of Dr. Joy DeGreeries' lectures. Wow. Trauma sets up in our central nervous system, you guys. And so Black Families, the title of this article, and it ain't got nothing to do with nothing negative. I just want to share this with Black people because when we are struggling with uh, mental illnesses and behaviors that are linked to mental illnesses, we need all the information that we can get and all of the research that we can get, especially since mental health was such a taboo in our community for so long. Actually, that's one of the reasons that made me seek out a good graduate school to get my first graduate's degree in counseling. And then I went back um, and got another master's degree in rehabilitation counseling. Um, and so because of the lack of our people, Black folks, want to get a, not wanting to go and talk to counselors and deal with the mental illnesses. And so the title of this article is Black Families Have Inherited Trauma. But we can change that. Ooh, I love it. The sister said, but we can change that. And her name is the author of this. Her name is Miss Clemens. C-L-E-M-M-O-N-S. You can find this article on helpline.com. And she begins with, when I look at my life, family and community, I wonder which patterns are authentically ours and which are a result of cultural PTSD. I have to give a shout out to one of my mentors in the field that I actually got a chance to meet, Dr. Joy DeGreary. Dr. Joy DeGreary broke post-traumatic slave syndrome down and made that correlation with PTSD. Wow, powerful. So if you have not seen any of Dr. Joy's lectures or attended any of her lectures, or if she is getting ready to start back lecturing, please go see Dr. Joy break this down. And so getting back to Ms. Clemens's article, it reads, in recent years, talk about cultural trauma and its impact on Black families has made its way to mainstream media. There's been a desire to understand how we are affected today by what our ancestors experienced. Over the years, I've been curious about patterns and practices I've observed in my own family, sitting under my grandmother's feet, asking questions about her life was the start. Hold on, you guys. I got to do something. 
my apologies. Um, and we all can relate to sitting up under our grandmother's feet. When I was reading this, I'm thinking like, wow, you know, gave me that flashback back to my big mama, my Native American grandmother that raised us, you know, and the things that they began to teach us. But the article reads that as she was sitting up under her grandmother's feet, asking questions about her life was the start of a journey for her. To better understand herself, she needed to understand who and where she came from, as we all do. Our ancestors' is trauma lives on. So this is the title, the next title that's after the main title. It's Our Ancestors' is Trauma Lives On. During my exploration, I came across Dr. DeGreary's lectures. I began to contemplate the depth of the impact American chattel slavery had on my family and community at large. The concept that something experienced centuries ago could impact habits, practices, behaviors, perspectives, and fears beyond a person's lived experience was fascinating. Yeah, and I'm right with her because I've attended Dr. Joyce's lectures in person. I met her. I have a picture. I have pictures with her. I, I was so happy that day, man. I tell you what. <laughs> oh, I am so thankful for Dr. Joy. So she goes on to say that epigenetics, the study of how certain genes are turned on or off, it is not an actual change in the sequence of your DNA, but rather changes in the structure of your DNA. Specifically, scientists who study epigenetics have found that trauma experienced by parents can impact the DNA and behavior of their offspring for generations to come. One study conduct conducted on worms found the residual effects of trauma lasted for 14 generations. That's a long time, you guys. For the Black community, the impact of centuries of unaddressed trauma still manifests today. And while part of that is certainly due to ongoing social injustice, some of the impact might very well be inherited. Now, that is deep, you guys. Basically, being Black in America means living with chronic post-traumatic stress disorder. Isn't that something else? And we have people like the Santos dude down in Florida saying, no, you can't teach Black history. But then again, when you think about what the research has found out, and this is this sister's article is not new. The research hit the public like October. Many professionals have known that this trauma sets up in our central nervous system. I mean, we think about the military, we think about wars and some PTSD. And then Dr. Joy DeGreary just busted the door wide open with all of her research and information that specifically points and pinpoints how Black people are living with trauma. And not all of the trauma may even be ours, you know? I like how the sister said, basically being Black in America means living with chronic post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Caused not only 
by one's lived experience, but the experiences of our ancestors. Oh, my, my, my. Wow. That's a big one, you guys. And if you're Black or if you are connected with Black people in America in some kind of way, married, have children by someone, this is information you guys need to know because I firmly believe that until you deal with your roots, until you deal with your ancestry and your heritage, a lot of the issues that we have going on, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, you cannot, you cannot heal in those areas. You will not grow um, spiritually. And I say it all the time until you connect with your ancestry. You can, we got some healing to do. And so, but the experiences of our ancestors, the sister goes on to say, Dr. Degree asks, how does being black in America impact your stress level? Therefore, your body's ability to operate its own immune system, once you understand it, then you can deal with it. Here come the healing, you guys. Oop, there it is. And on that, I'm going to go to a break. Stay with me. And so I'm coming back right at you, you guys. Now, that last statement I made going into break is the brunt of everything that mental and behavioral health counselors, coaches, psychiatrists, doctors, you know, uh, psychologists, those of us who are in the health and wellness industry, this is what we live for to find the loop in the hole that's the way i describe it to find a way to help people live happier healthier lives and so just because all of this research comes out that we got all this trauma and one of our ancestors one of our elders broke it down dr um kaba hiawatha he broke it down and said um because this is research between 15 to 25 years i mean of generational between 15 to 25 generations not years forgive me for that because it's definitely not years they're talking generations between 10 to 15 generations of our ancestors trauma can be in us that's like a million what did dr one million forty 8,576 ancestors, something like that. It's over a million five hundred thousand. We can be reacting off of reacting to an ancestor's plight. Then you want to factor in slavery, chattel slavery. Oh my word. I've shared how my great grandmother Emily, because she's my granddad's mom. Grandmother Emily lived to be old too, like 104 or something like that but she went through that period she was like eight or something when she left africa seriously 
the amount of trauma that she had to go through as a little girl is unfathomable. I'm like, wow. But grandmother lived so long and she only had two kids, my uncle, my granddad and my uncle, um, his brother, uncle, my uncle Red. But she lived to be so old and having to deal with that. And she died like in, I think she passed away in 1967 or something like that. You know, and I'm like, wow. And so let's get right back into the article, you guys. A culture shaped by trauma is the title of the next section. Symptoms of PTSD include a feeling or of um, foreshortened future, exaggerated startle responses, difficulty falling or staying asleep, outbursts of anger, anger and hypervigilance. Oh, my word. I ain't going to be talking about black folks now. But I'm telling you, I've seen some stuff now with these exaggerated startle responses. People, you know, jumping for no reason, you know, can't sleep or difficulty staying asleep. And the outbursts sometimes be like, okay, we're going to bring it down some notches. All right. And the hypervigilance. Some of these behaviors can be found in the African-American community today, not just on an individual level but overall on a cultural level. And people are sitting by trying to wonder and figure and point fingers and say, why to, to Black people? Why all of this is going on? When the question comes up whether these behaviors are inherent or learned, society generally believes the former. But we're not taking into action that all habits, practices, and beliefs are created first before they are reinforced. That's why a lot of times when I, I think about our people, Black people as a whole, and I have a right, I am an expert on Black folks because I'm a Black person. I have lived in the Black community. I have worked with Black people and I still work with Black people in mental and behavioral health and now in health and wellness. So yeah, I'm an expert and I don't need nobody to be saying you're, I know, I know about black people, you know, I'm black, right? <laughs> you know, being raised up in a house with what, 11 males. It was just my mom, my grandmother and I, and three females. I got a chance to experience a plethora of black folks and not the ones that's coming and going aunts, uncles, granddaddies, grandma, Mississippi, California, all over the country, some from Germany, all over the world. I got a chance to peep black folks. So yeah, not only am I professionally uh, a professional working with black people um, in this field of counseling and coaching, you know, and health and wellness and things, but personally, I can bring a lot to the table when it comes to us and our healing. Um, a lot of experience, a lot of the tools and techniques that research has already shown helps us. But anyway, she writes that some of these behaviors can be found in the African-American community today, not just on an individual level, but overall on a cultural level. When the question comes of whether these behaviors are inherent or learned, society generally believes the former, but we're not taking into account all the habits, practices, and beliefs that are created first before they are reinforced. A common teaching in the Black community is regarding work ethic. We must work twice as hard to be just as good as the next person. 
This philosophy is based on cultural conditioning, anthropological assertion, and lived experiences of our ancestors. On any given day, an enslaved person would have to work from sunup to sundown. If they appeared fatigued or unproductive, they would be called lazy and would be beaten. And I can attest to that myself. The research shows it, but I, my um, undergraduate degree was in history and psychology. Well, one of them was in history and psychology and the stuff I learned, oh my word, that's learned behavior. That's when I started peeping back at undergraduate, man. I'm, I'm like, wow. You know, I always, during undergraduate, my associate degree, I always took psychology courses. I studied teaching. And so I took more psychology and, you know, but history, I kept being pulled toward history. So I actually ended up getting a bachelor's in history. And, um, with a minor in psychology and man are you talking about some powerful information that i learned studying both history and both psychology at the same time then i turned it into a a, a lib arts degree where i can even delve more into both of those um um fields of study and so i got a ba in liberal arts with minors in history and minors in psychology and i'm talking about that i am so appreciative of that because i learned so much about all these different cultures migrations i mean we went back to the stone ages all right um i even studied geology and so it was really interesting and you think about the teachings that people have in the black community I've had to hold on to and work ethic is one of the main ones work up like sun up like sundown and other people still be like black people lazy and I'm like okay <laughs> I know nobody in my family is and I can look around there's so many people that I was raised everybody work you know everybody's still working so on any given day an enslaved person would have to work from sun up to sundown that is definitely um in my um uh, I say it was a dissertation that I had to write in order to get my history portion of my degree. I mean, I, we had to write a 1500 page paper and I did my, the title of my paper, the presence of blacks before the civil war, during the civil war and after the civil war, the presence of black in America before, during and after the civil war. And I learned so much information. And then I honed in on the area um, where I was studying in at that time. And that was in Missouri. And so it was really interesting. And I still have that paper and I love it. Maybe I should try to publish it as a book, right? So she says on any given day, enslaved people, you know, they're working all the time, sun up, sun down, you know, even if they appeared tired, they were called lazy, shiftless, unproductive and all kinds of men get beat. And so, yeah, get beaten by the mass. I'm like, wow, many parents today, they may not fear that their children will receive actual lashes, but the trauma from those experiences is embedded in our DNA. On a cellular level, we still recall the negative outcomes. The stress on work ethic is hyper vigilant response. 
to a centuries-old trauma and is reinforced by a desire to disprove stereotypes that are still circulating today. Similarly, during slavery, a parent would downplay their child's intelligence or strength to protect them from being seen as valuable and sold on the auction block. This practice can be seen today in families where Black parents may be proud of their child's achievements and celebrate them at home, but in the presence of mixed company, downplay their children's talents so they aren't seen as a threat. Connections like these can be made in many different different areas of our everyday existence. J. Marion Sims is considered the father of modern gynecology, and most of his test subjects were Black enslaved women because it was believed that Black people did not feel pain. They were experimented on without any anesthesia. Fast forward to the early 20th century, Tuskegee experiments and current high infant and maternal death rates in the Black population and the Black community's general distrust in the medical system make sense. These responses are not only a survival response, but one generated from DNA encoded information. The impact of these traumas are lodged in our DNA. And so the feelings of fear and mistrust so many Black people feel can be attributed to the experiences both lived and inherited. When we consider that we are not only walking around with our own lived experiences and trauma, but also those of our ancestors, we must slow down and take a hard, honest look at our past. To truly heal, we must address the cultural trauma that has always been there, shaping our perspective from birth. And that's what I, you know, it rings so true Uh, that she wrote this because I've always advocated that in order for a person to be spiritual, you can't be spiritual unless you be spiritual in truth. And that truth means that you're connecting to your past and all that went on. That means that you have to face that trauma and then you begin to heal. So moving on to the next segment, the path to healing. For healing and repair to begin, We need acknowledgement, investigation, patience, and safe spaces. And this is what Dr. Joy was trying to do when I saw her lectures in late, the late 90s and the early 2000s. The truth of the matter is that the effects of trauma are not one-sided. As much as the black community has been affected by the experience of chattel slavery, So has the white community. Of course, I always advocate for it to be, the the healing has to be on both sides. And so to get to the root of the systems, beliefs, practices, and ideals, we all have to do the work. Yes. Dr. Joy DeGreary explains the root of denial for the dominant culture is fear. And fear mutates into all kinds of things. I mean, look at this guy down in Florida, Santos. Like, it's just through the clans. I mean, dude, what do you mean we can't? You can't teach black kids? That doesn't make sense. But 
that's his decision is rooted in his fear and it mutates into all kinds of things psychological projection distorted and sensationalized representations in the media and the manipulation of science to justify the legal rights and treatment of people that's why it's so hard to unravel this is dr joy's statement that's the root of denial without a doubt we have our work cut out for us as science discovers more and more about how trauma negatively impacts our dna it is also discovering how intentionally healing the trauma through methods such as cognitive behavior therapy i love me some cognitive behavior therapy you guys i'm always asking my clients do you want to try this technique cognitive behavior therapy let's get to working on the mind because as a person thinks in their heart the heart in metaphysical terms references our mind that subconscious aspect of us and so that cognitive behavior therapy helps us tap into it and then we can start making those changes slowly for many of us but you begin to make changes that can help reverse the negative impact as the story unfolds about how our past affects our future we can do the work in the present to be mindful of what we are currently creating starting with our own families we can begin to address what has been handed down to us we can then decide what it is worth keeping and what is worth letting go and we must choose well i have to give a shout out to this dear sister jacqueline we have the same name she spells her name different she spells hers with l-y-n and i spell mine with l-i-n-e her name is jacqueline clemens she's an experience of birth doula traditional postpartum doula she's a writer Arthur and podcast host. She is passionate about holistically supporting families through her Maryland-based company, De La Luz Wellness. Peace and light to the sister. I am just so thankful to this sister. So you guys definitely look this article up and let me know what you guys think this sister did an excellent job on this article and you can get it on Healthline. so moving right along in the show as we come to the close i would like to share a delicious recipe with you guys um so moving right along to the recipe here's a meal that can help promote mental health well-being this vegetarian black bean chili is packed with protein and fiber which can help regulate mood and energy levels it's also loaded with antioxidants and anti-inflammatory ingredients which can help reduce inflammation in the body and promote overall health it's a vegetarian black bean chili recipe who don't love black beans and who don't love chili okay so the ingredients are two cans of black beans drained and rinsed one can of diced tomatoes one onion chop it on up gotta get that onion chopped up you guys 
two cloves of garlic mince, one tablespoon of olive oil, one tablespoon of chili powder, one tablespoon of cumin, one teaspoon of paprika, a teaspoon of oregano, salt and pepper to taste. Then add two cups of veggie broth or vegetable broth, one cup of corn, and here are the directions. You're going to heat the olive oil in a large pot over medium heat, add the onion and garlic, and cook until softened, just about five minutes. Add the chili powder, cumin, paprika, oregano, salt, and pepper, and stir to combine. Add the black beans, diced tomatoes, vegetable broth, and corn and stir to combine. Bring the mixture to a simmer and cook for about 20 to 30 minutes or until the chili has thickened and the flavors have melded together. You're talking about something good. You guys better try this recipe if you haven't already. Serve it hot with your favorite topping such as shredded cheese, diced avocado, or sour cream. In current news, there has been a growing awareness of the impact of the pandemic on mental health. Many people have reported increased levels of stress, anxiety, and depression as a result of the pandemic and its associated challenges. It's important to continue to prioritize mental health during this time, whether through seeking support from a mental health professional, practicing self-care techniques, or simply taking time to connect with loved ones. And finally, let's discuss some positive ways to promote mental well-being. Some ideas include practicing gratitude, spending time in nature, engaging in creative activities such as art or music, and volunteering in your community. And remember that taking care of your mental health is an ongoing process. You're never alone. You can always reach out to someone who specializes in mental and behavioral health and that person will be more than happy to help you get started on your journey to healing. Taking care of your mental health. It is so important that you learn if you are not already, you learn or you do be kind to yourself. And, and seek, I wanted to say sapeak, and seek support when needed. And so let's close with a prayer for peace and healing. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be happy and healthy. May all beings be at peace. Mother Goddess, we thank you for your love and guidance, and we ask that you continue to bless us with your presence and protection. May we always remember that we are never alone and that your light shines within us always. April is the spiritual time of the month, you guys, and so 
upon rolling on up out of here we did about an hour show today which is excellent and i'm really pumped this show is really full of information and so since april is the month that holds significant spiritual and religious importance for many people around the world particularly for christians it marks the celebration of easter however other spiritual and religious practices also have their own significant events and celebrations during this month. For Christians, Easter is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which occurred three days after his crucifixion on Good Friday. The Easter season lasts for about 50 days, beginning with Easter Sunday and culminating with Pentecost. Christians around the world mark the holiday with special church services, prayer, fasting, and feasting. In the Orthodox Christian tradition, Easter is also celebrated in April, though it is often on a different date than in the Western Christian tradition. Due to differences in calendar systems, Orthodox Easter is called Pascha or P-A-S-C-H-A and is celebrated with special services, fasting, and the exchange of traditional Easter greetings. In Hinduism, April is an important month because it marks the celebration of the festival of Baisakhi, or B-A-I-S-A-K-H-I, or Vishhu, depending on the region. Baisakhi is celebrated in the northern region of India, while Vishhu is celebrated in the southern region. These festivals mark the start of the new year according to the Hindu calendar and or celebrated with rituals, fasting, and social gatherings. In Judaism, April marks the celebration of Passover, and many of us are familiar with the celebration of Passover which commemorates the liberation of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. The holiday is celebrated with a special Passover, Sedir, S-E-D-E-R, which includes the retelling of the Exodus story, the eating of symbolic foods, and the singing of traditional songs. In the Baha'i faith, April 21 marks the celebration of Ridban, R-I-D-B-A, and which commemorates the 12-day period in 1863 when Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i faith, declared his mission to his followers, Radhan or Ridyan, R-I-D-Y-A-N, is celebrated with prayer, music, and community gatherings. In conclusion, April holds significant spiritual and religious importance for many people around the world with various celebrations and rituals being observed in differing cultures and traditions. Regardless of one's faith, this month offers an opportunity for people to come together, reflect, and celebrate the values that are important to them so we got to give the shout out to everybody you guys that are celebrating this wonderful month this wonderful spiritual month 
of April. And so as we close, you guys, I'd like for you to just take a moment of mindfulness. And if you're sitting, placing your feet flat on the floor, sitting back and just relax your back. As we go out of this session, I'm going to send us out with a prayer. Creator, open our hearts to peace and healing between all people. Creator, open our hearts to provide and protect for all children of the earth. Creator, open our hearts to respect for the earth. Creator, open our hearts to end exclusion, violence, and fear for all. Thank you for the gifts of this day and every day. And I like to say creator, creatress. <laughs> Thank you so very much for joining me today on this week's episode of Talk Soups' Motivational Mental Health Monday. I hope you were able to gather some goodies for your mental health and your spiritual health toolbox. And definitely, you guys, you gotta read this article, Black People Have Inherited Trauma by the sister Dula Jacqueline Clemens. The sister got down on this one, you guys, and we definitely have to give a shout out to Dr. Joy DeGreary. Dr. Joy, I love you so much. You are definitely on the top of my list when it comes to my mentors. And thank you for taking that picture with me back in early 2000. It just motivated me to just go full-fledged into counseling. Um, and so I just want to wrap up today's show. Look up Dr. Joy DeGreery's work, Dr. Joy, and many of us know that we have to heal this issue of inherited trauma um, that Black people have, like a bag on their back. We have to heal in order for this nation to truly be great. And that does not only mean that Black people heal only. White people have to get trauma healing as well it doesn't matter if you're privileged the ones that are privileged really need to go out there and get that work you know what i'm saying do the work go see a therapist you know go see a coach a mental health coach reach out to me if you, if you and i don't mail i can definitely refer you to someone but we all need to be coming as one as a great nation that we have we have a great nation. The Most High has gifted us with so much responsibility. We have truly been a spotlight around the world. And as things get to shake up in America, I pray that the leaders from the president on down, you guys need to support us in our healing. I ain't got nothing to do with reparations, which, hey, that's a whole different talk show I can yap on. But president, I'm a vice president and leaders, I'm imploring you to please jump on the bandwagon with the healing of the black community. Research is showing you guys, don't be stiff-necked and miss out on this blessed opportunity to help us heal because we're going to heal. It's a done deal. And with that said, join me 
this Sunday, no, this Wednesday, coming up this Wednesday on the midweek spiritual boost so that I can give you some uh, to finish off the week. Peace and light.